Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Welcome to Minisode 111 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, fat of me. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay, man, I'm alright. Um, and a wee allusion there, yeah, to the fact that you've had a bit of an eventful week. Yeah, I picked up a bit of a swelling and infection in my left knee, uh, and it, yeah, it Obviously, as we know, it caused us to abandon the recording of our Ghoulies 2 episode with Paddy this week. Yeah, no worries on that one, though. We will be back with that this week, of course. Sure, yes, of course we will, yes. And uh, before we move any further on, more to the point, how are you feeling? I'm feeling okay. Yeah, I'm feeling okay. Still a bit bit sore Mm -hmm. um, and a bit swollen and tender. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm ready to go. Good, good. And aside from that, how's your week been? What have you been watching? I watched a couple of things. Very watery-themed week for me. Okay, go on. Because uh, the first thing I watched was Perry Blackshear's The Siren, a.k.a. The Rusalka. Oh, yeah, this was a big hit at Fright Fest Glasgow a year past. So is this you catching up with it for the first time? Uh, no, uh, no, I'd seen it previously, but I watched it the other day uh, just because I was just scooting through Shudder when I was supposed to be doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I just had it on and wound up getting far more invested in watching that than I should have been considering how much other stuff I had to do. <laughs> you want to just uh, catch everybody up very quickly again about what this is all about? Yeah, it's about a, a young mute guy who falls in love with a, I guess, a siren-esque sea monster, lake monster. So I thought this was a pretty interesting one when I saw it um, at Fright Fest. I didn't go quite as crazy for it as some people did, but I did like it. Where are you with this mm. one? To be honest, I'm still a little bit surprised that it got the mad love that it got and it was like this breakout hit at fright fest i don't know what that says about the rest of the quality that year yeah i mean it's a it's a good film it really is a good film but it's um i don't know like when i'm while i'm watching it i'm just wishing i'm watching spring interesting okay i don't know if i would necessarily have drawn a comparison line between those two but now you have i see your point Okay, I hear that, but I think I think it, like, it tells a good story and it tells it pretty well. Absolutely, yeah, and I, I think everyone in it's really strong. You've, you've got McLeod Andrews in there as well, who's of course in A Ghost Waits. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I don't think it's a patch on Perry's earlier work. I much prefer They Look Like People, but I much prefer They Look Like People to most films. <laughs> sure, yeah, I know that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's good and it's nice and it's heart wrenching and it's uh, touching. But yeah, I don't know, it just it's, it feels a bit overwrought to me. Okay, that's interesting. I think that it kind of like, a, it's definitely emotionally inflected storytelling in a way that is way more pronounced than they look like people. I think that they look like people definitely had like a very kind of strong core of emotional intelligence, but I think that this one was much more overt with that. Agreed. So, okay, so it sounds like kind of like mixed reports on that one. Where else did you head this week? I headed from uh, the lakes to the seas to the wider open water 
for sea fever. <laughs> Very good. What a swashbuckling week you've had. Um, <laughs> so sea fever, yeah, another one um, that played well at its year at Fright Fest Glasgow. This, of course, was this year, though. I actually mm-hmm. missed this one. Um, I still haven't caught up with it. I'm going to have more ways to do that in the very near future, which we'll get to. But for now, you want to talk a little bit about it? Well, what I do want to say is I was just cruising through Prime Video and I thought, oh, I really want to check out Sea Fever. And uh, it's available to buy right now on Prime Video for one ninety nine. You're kidding? No. That's a hell of a deal. So what we have here? We have the it's the it's essentially the crew on like a trawler, I suppose, um, that gets stuck out in the middle of the sea. Yeah. Um, and then what you have is this uh, parasite that is uh, taking over the ship's water supply. Okay. I really like this. Okay. I like this a lot. Yeah. I mean, the, the performances in it are relatively strong. Although I'm not entirely convinced by Dougray Scott's accent. Uh, aren't we ever? <laughs> or Connie Nielsen's, for that matter. Okay. Uh, the the accents are a little bit confusing. But, uh, yeah, on the whole, I, I really like this. Like, uh it's certainly got a lot more going on than the siren, although I wouldn't say that that's, uh, that's any dig at the siren. But okay. uh, for a water-based entertainment, I would say that for me this week, based on the two films that I watched, Sea Fever was far and away the one that drew me more. Interesting. Okay, okay. So hot takes coming out of uh, Andy's week in Nautical Nightmares. It's been a week of aquatic opposites. <laughs> so it would appear. Yeah. Um, is that about your lot for the week? Pretty much, Mitch. Okay, I am. Um, I went back a few years with a couple of things this week. I didn't watch anything new, but I did rewatch a couple of things that I hadn't seen in a couple of years. Uh, one I have very fond memories of and another less so. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, good news first. I, I went back and rewatched Lee Janiak's Honeymoon for the first time in a few years. All right. Okay. I think that this is great for anyone that's not familiar. You've got um, a newlywed couple played by uh, Harry Treadway and uh, Game of Thrones is uh, Rose Leslie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they head out to a cabin in the woods for their honeymoon, and uh, basically uh, she starts behaving really erratically and. It kind of widens out in a creepy way from there as you kind of learn a little bit more about what's going on. For all intents and purposes, basically a two-hander. And Rose Leslie kind of is the one that really has to do the heavy lifting in this. Harry said was good. Sure. Uh, but it's it's kind of Rose Leslie that's driving this thing. I think that she's great. I also think that it's a really interesting debut feature from Lujaniak. I noticed that she hasn't actually um, she hasn't actually released anything feature-wise since then. She did a couple of episodes yeah. of Scream. Um, but that's been about the height of it. Um, which is a shame. I think that this is really good. Actually, when there was originally a discussion about who was going to direct the remake of The Craft, I mentioned a couple of places that I oh, thought she yeah. would have been a good call for it. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. But what I did notice is, I've taken a look to see what she's doing next, and it looks like an adaptation of the R.L. Stein Fear Street books has happened. Okay, cool. Um, Fear Street 1 and 2, which it looks like are both in post-production just now, so I haven't had time to really dig in on what the story is here, but um, it looks like they were maybe shot back-to-back. Because they're both in post right now, and it seems like that's the next thing, the next feature stuff that she's got coming out. So, timely kind of time to dig this up and look at it, um, and just kind of went and unearthed that, which is kind of cool. Uh, less successfully, I went back to 2013 and onto Netflix to the kind of like the early days of when I was going to see horror in the cinema right. with more regularity than I used to. And I was kind of just, I had an unlimited card, the world was my oyster, I was trying basically everything. <laughs> Um, At this point, of course, I also didn't realize the distinction between kind of uh, a lot of kind of multiplex horror and just how readily studios pounce on lowest common denominator stuff. Okay. It looks like it'll make money. I watched Dark Skies this week. Oh, right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Kerry Russell, J.K. Simmons, Alien story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I'm going to go almost full spoiler on this because I need to to talk about what it is about this that infuriates me so much. (laughs) Fight away. (laughs) 
so what you have here is um you've got, so carrie russell is the kind of uh, she's the mother in this family and family all seems to be that nice kids get along really well um it's mm-hmm. a very committed performance from carrie russell actually and um, when the material doesn't really call for it and i think that that's always to be commended uh like she's she's given it her all here and uh and i think she's definitely the strongest link in the chain i, th- I think that there would actually be very little propping this up if it wasn't for the fact that uh she was so good but basically mm-hmm. there is this kind of heightening weirdness around their house that starts to be kind of pointed towards the prospect of an alien invasion yeah um now i don't know why i rewatched this because i habitually do not like films about aliens <laughs> but it was there and i was like i wonder what more i'll get from this watching it with the head of someone who has seen a few more films now i say a few more not a lot more um, <laughs> right okay but the thing that drives me crazy about this is that it is a very very stereotypical kind of alien story a kind of slow burning one admittedly but ultimately just kind of just that kind of like a very rote alien story and then towards the end of this when it's kind of getting to it's like uh, it's kind of dramatic fever pitch if you like one of the kids has a hallucination have you seen this by the way yeah yeah so you remember this right so one of the kids has a hallucination of his dad committing suicide next to his mother's like bloodied body yeah and i was like oh okay great this kid's parents have died under horrific circumstances what is going on here is a fabrication in his mind to rationalize the terrible things that are happening in his life <laughs> right okay and when i thought that i was like right this doesn't undo all of the negatives but i didn't see that coming and i'll take it right okay but then it's just a hallucination and then so the film flirts like for a seconds with this passable idea to turn things around a little bit and then it's just like nope it's aliens <laughs> and i think that the fact that I think it would have infuriated me way less if it had just crawled over the finish line as being an unremarkable story about aliens, but the fact that it hinted at this smarter, wider idea, and then it was just like, you know what, no, makes it so much worse. Yeah, I get that. So, yeah, uh, if you're looking for things to revisit this week, Honeymoon, check it out. Dark Skies, no. No, I remember being distinctly underwhelmed by Dark Skies. I think I saw it in the cinema as well, actually. Yeah, it's an absolute, it's just an absolute 5 out of 10 effort, I would say. <laughs> yeah, firmly middle ground. Absolutely. So, I did watch one more thing this week. I did say, I was running out of days when we were recording uh, this week, but I did manage to squeeze one in. Mitch, what you see the 90s? Lovely. Um, so, carrying on a week of accidental masochism, I went back to 1998 this week, Netflix again, mm-hmm. uh, for something that I'd heard people talking about a lot, but that I'd never seen. I watched Gus Van Sant's remake of Psycho. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. So, for anyone that is unfamiliar with this particular version of Psycho, mm. it's largely the same. Yeah, it's practically a shot for shot remake yeah uh, like a, a lot of the same shots a lot of the same camera techniques are used uh, the dialogue mm. is mostly the same apart from a little bit of contemporizing about like just kind of adjusting amounts of money for inflation how much cars cost things sure, like that sure. they um, also shoehorn in a scene where norman has a wank while he's watching through the, the hole in the wall and they've also airdropped in a lot of the music from the original film yeah this is one of the more barefaced exercises in cinematic pointlessness that I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I think. I, th- I think that um, I don't understand the point of shot-for-shot remakes generally. Sure. I'm in. Fa- I'm in. I'm in favor of reimagining things and stuff like that. But I think that the fact that they have been so at pains to make this. Uh, such a close match to the original but then also given people just like because i read a little bit about it and apparently they left it up to the actors to determine how closely their performances mirror the tone of the original right okay. and for the most part i would say in about 70 or 80 percent of cases here everyone kind of tries to pitch it roughly at the same kind of level as the original 
Yeah. Then you've got people like Julianne Moore in here playing uh, Lila Crane. Yeah. She comes at it in a far more aggressive way, I think, than the character in the original film. But the fact the film never nails its colours to the mast in terms of how radically it wants to depart from the original means that I think that you've got this thing that is kind of basically setting out to be a carbon copy of it which, I don't, like I say, I don't particularly approve of anyway, but then gives people just enough leeway for that to also just be just different enough to feel weird. <laughs> so it doesn't function as a new piece of work on its own, and it doesn't really function as a carbon copy either. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not fundamentally against a remake of Psycho. Me neither. Even though it's one of the best, one of the best horror films ever made, made by one of the best directors of all time, I just think this film like you say gets almost everything wrong even down to the cast and I, I don't think that Vince Vaughn has one iota of the kind of vulnerability that Anthony Perkins had or the likability yeah I don't think Anne Hesh is doing anything of note here either no no not not particularly it, fe- it feels very much like going through the motions while also trying to do something that's exactly the same as an infinitely better film yeah it's a film that's always baffled me and I've it's a film that I've gone back to a few times to see if I, I like it any better and I don't it's a, it's a real it's a real puzzler to me anyway that's my that was my 90s side quest for this week uh, it was it was Gus Van Sant's Psycho I did not care for it at all and I'm still just going to say that if you're watching anything this week that I've spoken about just go and watch uh, Honeymoon I misfired dramatically on everything else yeah and I would point you towards both the films that I've mentioned today but I would say that if you're wanting something a bit more chilled out, then definitely check out The Siren. If you're wanting something that's just a little bit more exciting, maybe, check out Sea Fever. Sounds good. So some good stuff in amongst the shite there. Um, moving on. <laughs> what have they been saying? It's feedback time, and we have had a fair amount of it this week um, on a variety of different themes, obviously. I no chat about the main episode this week because we didn't have one. But mm, we yeah, if, did... there, if there had been, then that would be incredibly spooky. Very it would strange. be a bit, wouldn't it? Yeah, but um, uh, we did try something new this week. Uh, we did trial a series that we're going to be putting on Patreon in future, but we kind of let everyone hear the first attempt at it. So that yeah. was uh, The Irredeemables, a miniseries idea that we've had, where we take a look at a film that no one has singled out to defend. We, this is actually taking films that are truly, deeply, brutally bad. Yeah, and basically revisiting them we're probably going to keep these mostly to relatively recent titles i think um, i think so yeah. but yeah we're basically running our eye back over them and seeing if we can single out just anything really that uh, we think might kind of soften the case against the film because that's really what we're here to do broadly i think generally we look at things and we don't want to go in and savage things we generally go in i think kind of looking for positives we tried to do that this week with the bye bye man and we did fail <laughs> we failed spectacularly because that film uh, i think we came down on the same side of the line here is pretty much irredeemable. Aha, there's not much going on here of no at all. But we did ask you guys to uh, let us know what you thought of the idea for the series in general, and uh, it seems like you guys are pretty into it. A lot of stuff coming from the Chud Locker on this one. Right, okay, again, I've no vision of that, so uh, this is this is exciting. Darren Gaskell, mm-hmm. regular contributor and now admin on the Chud Locker. Yes, Darren, thank you for offering to take up that mantle. Greatly appreciated. He said, it's a fine idea. As someone who frequently sits on the fence, this is definitely my jam. 
Um, also got Kian O'Brien saying, I think it's a great idea. Sometimes you've just got to give in to the hate. That's still not what we're trying to do, Kian. We're still, I mean, ultimately, we probably will in most cases, but that's not what's driving this. The fact of the matter is, like, we, if it wasn't for the fact that we decided to do this, I wouldn't have revisited the Bye Bye Man. I wouldn't have given it another chance. No, absolutely not. No. Elsewhere, we do have uh, Andrew Marshall. It was great fun. Ranting is as entertaining to listen to as it is cathartic to impress. And with the true dreck that the deer of horror has to offer, you'll never run short of material. And uh, Ross McIntyre saying, uh, I like it. Suits the whole formula that you guys have created so far. Looking forward to the curse of La Llorona, but probably not as much as you, Mitch Bain. <laughs> <laughs> um, the curse of La Llorona is a great show, actually. I would be very happy to do that one. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, and just uh, Stephen Wales also saying uh, that it's an idea that he can get on board with. And he said that when he watched it, he gave up after 20 minutes. But not only did he do that, he also went back into his Netflix history and removed it. So he made sure that the algorithm didn't recommend him anything like it ever again. <laughs> and then he shot himself in the face. <laughs> don't think it. Don't say it. <laughs> don't think it. Don't say it. Uh, just absolutely wipe it. Yeah, expunge. Do uh, you have anything else on the Irredeemables? Uh, I do, yeah. Laura Bynan saying, Irredeemables, that's a good idea, guys. Listening now is a break from the day job, which today is nuts and bolts com stuff. Ah, okay. Happy to help break the monotony there, then. Oh, absolutely, because that sounds terrible. <laughs> and Fael is getting in touch to say that uh, you were determined to watch this, weren't you? I, I, I mean, I can see why Faye has said that, because in the last twice that we've tried to put together a Zoom watch-along, the Bye Bye Man has snuck in there as a wildcard choice both times. <laughs> Yeah, we did resolutely uh, try to do it. So I think that it's probably not that surprising that when we were like, oh, free pick and a shit film, this is what we went for. <laughs> um, it's funny, though, actually, because that, you're, you're right in saying that because we pretty much instantly went for the bye-bye, man. But almost as soon as it was out of both of our mouths, we started throwing around other ones that are sim in a kind of similar vein and of a similar time period, but just as shite. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And on the subject of shite. Here comes film fan Stevie walking into what I would say is an easily avoidable trap. Stevie saying, you know I'll be watching Slenderman, especially after some of the films I've been watching during the 18 weeks without the cinema. Stevie, stop, stop what you're doing. Take a step back and reconsider. Think about your life. Think about all the good films you've seen and then weigh up whether it's worth wasting another minute of your time on Slenderman. Yeah, similarly, Kim, getting in touch on Twitter as well, Kim Morrison, uh, she replied to Stevie on this one saying, I've been seeing it on the coming soon bit on Netflix for about a month now and I'll definitely be watching it. The more people say don't watch stuff, the more I want to see it. Kim, Kim, I'm speaking directly to you here. This is not a watch it and laugh along affair. Mm. This is not a so bad it's good thing. This is like, there's no, there's no right level to enjoy this. Step away <laughs> from the light. Consider Mitch your harbinger here. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, turn back. You've just pulled into my weird gas station and I'm telling you to turn back. If I may be so bold, yes. there's more to like in the bye-bye, man. Ooh, who knows? Maybe we'll touch on that in a future episode of the Irredeemables. Bulls. Who can say? Yeah, absolutely, but that will only be for Patreon subscribers. Yeah, more news on that coming very soon indeed. Staying, though, with film fan Stevie and his adventures in shite as he awaits the <laughs> cinema's reopening, um, he said, uh, after watching a few classic films, normal service has resumed. Paid a visit to the bottom of the barrel with the, quite frankly, what-the-fuck-am-I-watching film Night Fright, a.k.a. ETN, the extraterrestrial nasty? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, 
So uh, Zombies Lou Gorehound got in touch and started talking to him about this, and then Stevie eventually concluded that in the Chud Locker, he's the Pied Piper leading people to the bottom of the cinema battle. <laughs> Some things you should not follow Stevie for in terms of films. If he's treading anywhere near Slenderman, you're going to want to not follow that. Yeah, it, 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 ignore his ignore his siren song. <laughs> his little... I can just picture... I can actually picture Stevie hopping along with his little, his little flute. Um, I've got one thing left, but it's very much miscellany. Do you have anything else? I've got a couple of things, actually, and one of them, again, uh, is Kim Morrison. Uh, been gone for a while now, coming back with a vengeance in the feedback section, got to yeah, say. Yeah, she is caught up and ready to contribute, and uh, it's very nice to have her back. It is indeed. Uh, oh, my goodness. Oh, the okay. often episode of Strong Violent PC is possibly now my favourite. I feel I could listen to Brendan Steer talk forever, and the whole thing was so hilarious. Rewatched the film as well, which was also a blast. And accompanied by a little gif of Esther having a meltdown. Ah, lovely. Excellent stuff. Uh, Kim, got to say, uh, it was one of my favourite episodes in a while as well. Perhaps mm. Brendan will come back someday and we'll do Fifty Shades Darker. <laughs> Time will tell. But really glad you enjoyed the episode, Kim, and uh, welcome back to the feedback section as well. Absolutely. And I just want to give a shout out to a new person. Ooh, okay. Chris Skelp. Hi, Chris. Welcome aboard. Yeah, absolutely. Saying, uh, as a very recent convert to the cause, I have just started listening to the minisodes from episode zero. Wow. Oh, God, you'll be hearing some weird stuff then. Back when they were like seven minutes long, remember that? Yeah, yeah. And things were like, I, I don't know, it was just far more awkward. <laughs> yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'd be scared to go back and listen to them now. Yeah. Weird hearing our intrepid host saying in minisode nine that they never want to do an episode again where they're not in the same room. <laughs> This was after Mitch literally phoning it in on Minnesota 8. Was that when you were in that bush? That was when I was in that bush. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we were playing a gig in Edinburgh. And I um, yeah, I, I came out and hid around the back of the venue and, uh, and hid in a bush to record it uh, because uh, hiding in a bush lowered wind resistance. Yeah, yeah, it does lower wind resistance, but it does also potentially, to anyone passing by, make you look a bit like a potential attacker. That is true, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's fortunate that I give off an extremely non-threatening aura, so people probably just thought that I was digging around in there for something. That's so weird. <laughs> um, but yes, Chris, welcome aboard, and obviously changed days. We've now done more than a handful of these, not in the same room. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I've got to be honest, Mitch, I do, I do miss you, I do miss it. I miss you too, I miss you too. Soon though, soon. Um, I want to say a quick hello to uh, Kian O'Brien as well, just getting in touch in solidarity um, after my story from last week about uh, getting hit in the face by a pigeon. Oh, a few people actually have been hit in the face by pigeons. Yeah, but Kian came out of the woodwork first and said, I'm glad I'm not the only one who has a pigeon flying head first into them while walking story. Shit hurts. Huh. Agreed, Kian, it really does. Um, but yeah, very vindicating to hear other people uh, speak out about their negative pigeon experiences. So thank you very much for that. Just keep your eye on the skies, guys. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, I think that's my lot. You got anything else? I don't. Okay. It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by, with the title, tagline, and any other identifying text photoshopped out of the picture. It will be up to me to describe the image to the best of my ability, give it a title and a synopsis. We will also share the image everywhere so uh, you guys can join in as well. 
So this past week we had 1972's Blood Freak. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, delivered in extremely giggly fashion by both of us and uh, <laughs> reappropriated by me as Mother Falcon Vengeance, the feathery dismembering of a disemboweling fowl. <laughs> um, yeah. A few of you getting in touch this week with uh, some crackers. C.P. Buckley first. When Harmony Hillix... I've heard that name before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. That rings a bell. Yeah. When Harmony Hillix arrives in the small town of Poultryville for a new job in the Crow's Feet Bar, see where this is going, she finds that the uh-huh. whole town revolves around the poultry factory on the outskirts of town. One night, Harmony comes across a strange ritual when town members dressed in strange bejeweled chicken masks. When she tries to flee, the townspeople catch her and imprison her. Now she must find a way to escape the town before she's skinned alive and sacrificed to the town god, the Colonel, in the ill-advised <laughs> 1983 wannabe cult horror, Kentucky Flayed Chicken. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> like that quite a bit. I want to say a quick shout out to Laura Bynan as well, who correctly identified the poster first in doing that. Oh, really? Wow. I thought uh, that was quite an obscure one. I'm surprised that that was so easily identifiable. Yeah, I just said so as well. Um, Alexis, best friends Frau Fankuchen and Herr Bumgartner <laughs> go on a quest to test their jest to find Nazi gold hidden in a chest. It's Eagle's Nest. Caress the breast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not bad at all. I see Alexis is good for the treble. Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. She's all in. Uh, Hanny underscore Ray getting the year right. Polly Parton, a budding songstress, <laughs> answers an ad for a backing singer for a stage show. Unbeknownst to her, the show is the facade for a hideous man-eating birdman who's looking for a mate to share his love song with. It's 1972's Bird Song of Death. Sure, yes. Uh, Gorehound, Jim Henson, workshop employee and bird lover Ken Tucky has uncontrollable urges to put his hand up more than Big Bird's arse. Using a dark crystal Skeksis <laughs> puppet, he abducts beauty queen Avery Goodley. In 1982's The Puppet Massacre, a bird in the hand is worth two in the douche. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and finally, Kevin Matthews on Facebook. After the initial joy and excitement of knowing he would never again have to move around with an arm rammed up his arse... <laughs> theme of the week emu has gone into hibernation mode in the attic of rod hall's family home he's awakened many years later by the sound of somebody at the door somebody at the door and heading downstairs <laughs> moldy and half mad and wearing some small dress that he found upstairs he attacks the potential visitors who turned out to be local nuns selling homemade scones and so begins an emutastic orgy of violence bloodshed and death with the puppet hoping to snuff out as many lives as possible before being reunited <laughs> with his past master <laughs> It's the wild 2019 <laughs> release, Drag Me to Hull. <laughs> That's your lot for this week. Best pitch and best character name, please. Um, okay, I'm going to give a clean sweep to Gorehound. Ah, okay. So Avery Goodley and uh, the Puppet Masker. Yes. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, double helping a nothing on its way to you. It's been a while since somebody's won both. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and joy. Please, yeah. please. No mean feat. No mean feat. That is to be celebrated. So yeah. I guess it's my turn then. Uh, are you ready for this one? I don't know, am I? <laughs> well, you can have a look for yourself and answer that question. <laughs> Right, okay, very good. Um, <laughs> okay. So the border of this image is white. Uh, the backdrop is a light blue skyline, sky blue, if you like. We have in the sky a kind of a large, what I'm assuming is an alien head because there's a spaceship in the uh, in the rest of the picture, but it's uh, quite slimy looking. Uh, has massive mm. bulbous eyes on either side of its head. Can't really see if it has a mouth or not. I don't really know if that's a mouth or not, but uh, it's a funny looking beast. It kind of looks like it's got an insect head. Right, sure. To me. 
Um, but yeah, that head is in the sky. Uh, we are kind of against the uh, foreground of a kind of bustling metropolis. Some uh, some uh, some skyscrapers here. Uh-huh. Um, on either side of the road, in the middle of the road, we have um, a spaceship from which uh, like talons are extending. Right. Or kind of lassoes. Um, we have three women in the foreground of the image who all look very similar. They have uh, they all have dark hair. They're all fairly scantily clad, and they're all in a state of some distress. One is kneeling with one hand in the air, uh, screaming off into the middle distance. Uh, the one in the middle, she's standing up. Uh, she's topless by the looks of it, apart from the fact that one of the tentacles is like draped over her. She looks like she's mm, being yanked yes. backwards towards the ship. And uh, another one is lying on her front. Uh, the kind of tentacles tied around her ankles, kind of lasso style. And uh, she's being dragged backwards, but she's kind of like a, she's flat out on the ground. So we have Insect Overlord uh, surveys the scene as uh, three brown-haired women are abducted by an alien spacecraft. Sure. There is also a fourth woman in the background there who you might see um, very small. Oh, yeah. Whether or not I'll use her uh, for this pitch remains to be seen. <laughs> sure. Okay, I only need a moment. Taking a closer look at this image, Mitch, I can't help but feel like this was a far more graphic image and someone somewhere suggested that they add the tentacles in because they do look like an afterthought. They do, you're right. They kind of stand out in that way. Uh, Yeah, I would say that's fair. Yeah, they, they, they do look hastily added, don't they? (laughs) <laughs> they do have the swipe of uh, an 11th desperate hour edition. market <laughs> yeah desperate market guy going we can't put this out we can't do that <laughs> absolutely um okay i uh, think that i've maybe got something here okay exciting right okay Identical triplets Naomi, Pepper and Alotta Chips are the biggest girl group in the world <laughs> bubblegum pop sensation Chipple Threat <laughs> However, Fuck their God. one long road chip world tour in support of their new album Chips Don't Lie is disrupted when they're abducted without explanation by amphibious alien life forms. As they are hauled aboard the spaceship with the creature's intentions unclear, it emerges that they have been pledged to the aliens as slaves as part of an attempt by President Reagan to broker a peace treaty with prospective otherworldly invaders. Will the aliens successfully take them to their home planet for a life of servitude, or will loose chips sink ships and the sisters make their way home to expose the president's nefarious misdeeds? Find out in 1984's sci-fi musical epic, Bargaining Chips. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah. Are you happy with that? Not really. No, I was going to say, it feels like somewhat of a low point. <laughs> oh, come on, there's been worse than that. <laughs> oh, there has. There certainly has. <laughs> there's been much worse, but there has been much better, and I would imagine that you guys will do better, but we'll get to that in a sec. More to the point, what actually is this, and who was synopsizing it for us? Okay, so what year did you say? I said 84. Oh, so close. 1986. Oh, okay, and the film? The film is Breeders. Breeders. All right. Okay. Uh, so uh, the most important question of the week, who is our IMDb synopsisizer? Yeah, we've got a returner. It's uh, Ed Sutton. Ah, Ed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Occasional contributor. Um, what's <laughs> I got to say about this one? The Manhattan General Hospital has admitted a string of young women who have been raped by something otherworldly. Oh, God. Okay. The perpetrator only attacks women who are virgins. Dr. Pace and Detective Andreotti work together to try and isolate the strange organic material found on the victims, and to try and locate the fiend. Soon, the victims begin arising in a trance and leaving the hospital by an underground passage where their fate awaits them. Jesus, is that the lot? That's it. God, that sounds pretty harrowing. Is it any good? 
<laughs> no. Okay, I did have a feeling. Uh, that concludes Mitch's pitches for this week. That image is everywhere now. If you want to join in and uh, get a pitch in there, you can do it through all the usual channels. Mm-hmm. Turn our attentions very quickly then to the streaming platforms this week. Got a reasonable amount of stuff incoming for the week July 20th to July 26th. Starting then with Netflix. On Wednesday, you've got Signs Season 1. When a young woman's murder shows similarities to a decade-old cold case, new police commanders must break the silence permeating an owl mountain town. Okay, sure. On Friday, we've got uh, Offering the Storm. Amaya investigates several suspicious infant deaths and horrific rituals. Meanwhile, people around her risk grave danger. That's vague. Um, Also, on Friday the 24th, a great film, in my opinion, Searching. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, that sounds Um, good. Yeah, after his 16-year-old daughter goes missing, David traces her last digital steps using her laptop, social media, and a detective. Uh, Now TV on Saturday 25th. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail on this one, Andy, because you already have. Sea Fever. (laughs) Right, okay. So that's there. Amazon Prime on Saturday 25th. We head back to 2017 with Life. Right, okay. Uh, as astronauts discover the first evidence of extraterrestrial life on Mars, they begin realizing that the life form is extremely intelligent and hostile. I can't believe that film's only three years old. I'd have had I that actually thought as... it was more recent than that. Oh, really? I'd have had it pegged about 2014 or something like that. Time just feels like a construct to me at the moment. A <laughs> uh, couple of things in Shudder from monday uh one that you mentioned a couple of weeks back andy we've got the pool all right okay cool uh in this simple yet surprising film a young couple finds themselves trapped in a deep swimming pool with no way out and that's only the beginning of their problems yeah yeah this is pretty good by the way this is uh, if you didn't hear the the many so the other week where we talked about it it's uh yeah, this is um quite a nasty wee film at moments uh and it has one of the most mind-boggling ways to exit a swimming pool that i've maybe ever seen in a film <laughs> it did sound a bit wild um, <laughs> and on Thursday wrapping up the content for this week we have got Impetigor on Shudder alright oh, okay yeah um, after surviving a murder attempt in the city down in her luck Maya discovers she may inherit a house in her ancestral village she returns unaware the locals have been trying to locate her and kill her to rid the village of a plague that has haunted them for years that's the new film from Satan's Slaves director uh, Joko Anwar you quite like Satan's Slaves if I remember rightly Satan's Slaves is great Yep, um, and that's also a Shutter original, so if you want to check that out in advance of this one coming out, then you can. Um, that concludes the streaming platform stuff for this week. Um, personally, I'd say my pick is Searching. Uh, yeah, I'd kind of see, it's kind of difficult to see past Searching, but if Searching doesn't float your boat, I would recommend The Pool. Um, but I mean, yeah, like I say, Sea Fever's in there and you dug that as well, so lots of really and good Sea Fever, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Good, good selection this week. Not bad at all. Pretty much across the board, I think. Everyone kind of getting some pretty cool stuff in there. So before we go on to anything else, I want to talk about, we haven't done this in ages, but um, a couple of kind of cool trailers have dropped this week. And I think that it might be uh, prudent to take a look at some of those because uh, they're quite, across the board, they're like quite big deals on a few different levels. Uh, you were talking about one that you caught earlier? Yeah, I wanted to mention Jay Baruchel's Random Acts of Violence, which is coming to Shudder relatively soon. The trailer for that dropped this week as well. I think this looks great. Okay, I don't know anything about this at all. What's going on here? Oh, I can give you a synopsis if you want it, Mitch. That'd be nice, yeah. Comic book creator Todd Walkley, his wife Kathy, assistant Aurora and best friend Hard Caliber Comics owner Ezra embark upon a road trip from Toronto to New York Comic Con and bad things start to happen. People start getting killed. It soon becomes clear that a crazed fan is using Todd's Slasher Man comic as inspiration for the killings. And as the bodies pile up and Todd's friends and family become victims themselves, Todd will be forced to take artistic responsibility. Okay, interesting. Uh, this is coming to Shudder, I think, in August. Right, okay. Sometime. Cool, so not too long to wait there. No, 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 not at all. Another one, and it's one that people have been talking about um, a little bit for quite a long time. And uh, I want to mention, actually, say a quick little John Paul Fitch, who posted this in the Chud Locker as well. 
um, mm. when the trailer dropped for it, but we did see a trailer uh, this week at last for uh, Possessor, the new film from uh, antiviral director Brandon Cronenberg. Ah, my most anticipated film of the year. Uh, yeah, it's hewing up my list. Now this trailer's on the go. Uh, this is pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait for this. I love Brandon Cronenberg's work. I loved Antiviral. It's fair to say that I'm something of a fan of his father. Yes, uh-huh. I would say so. But uh, yeah, Possessor looks fucking incredible. Yeah, Possessor uh, follows an agent who works for a secretive organization that uses brain implant technology to inhabit other people's bodies, ultimately driving them to commit assassinations for high-paying clients. Uh, yeah, the trailer for this looks really scary, looks quite squirm-inducing in a way that you would kind of hope it would be. Lots to get excited about there, I think. Also, um, uh, given less away, but we did see a teaser trailer for the upcoming Child's Play series. Yeah, this got me more excited than anything to do with a reboot. Well, this is kind of why I thought that it would be worth mentioning uh, from our point of view, because uh, we both have um, very little time for Child's Play 2019 and do plant ourselves squarely in the minority there, I think. I think we do, yeah. A lot of people, like, certainly recently, since it landed on Netflix, I've seen loads of people going mad for it, but I really didn't like it. Yeah, it didn't do much for me either. Um, and I think that one of the reasons that I kind of had a gripe with it was that I didn't think that, I, like, I was very ready for there to be more films, but I kind of felt like there was still some mi- mileage in the kind of Don Mancini arc. Yeah, and of course he was completely excluded from just about everything to do with the reboot, but not so with this, the TV series. Yeah, so in America, this is airing on, I think it's the, the USA and Sci-Fi channels. I think, the, the like I said, the teaser doesn't give much away, and we don't know much about how you're going to get hold of it in the UK yet. But um, yeah, I think that this, it's pretty promising. Uh, I think it's the series is just called Chucky, isn't it? I think it is, yeah, yeah. And it certainly sounds as if Brad Dourif's back doing the voice of Chucky. Yeah, I think that this this just kind of like, based on the little evidence that we have to go on so far, this feels much more my speed. So now I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to finding out a little bit more about it in due course and uh, kind of seeing where this takes us. So uh, turning our attentions to this week's show, if you were listening last week, then you'll know uh, what's going on with this week's episode. We are being joined uh, by the director of The Perished, Mr. Paddy Murphy, who you may remember from being on the show now exactly a year ago, talking Jason Goes to Hell. Yep, and if you weren't listening last week and you haven't been following us on social media this week, then you may not know that the film that we're doing is Ghoulies 2. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, not going to dwell too much on that because we kind of gave Paddy enough fanfare last week, if you ask me. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, uh, we are being joined by Paddy Murphy this week and we are talking Ghoulies 2. If you want to get in touch with us on that subject, get a Mitch's pitch in, whatever else you want to do, then there are, of course, loads of ways that you can do that. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. You can email stronglanguageviolentscenes at gmail.com and you can interact with other listeners on our Facebook group, The Chud Locker. Yeah, of course. And you can check out our website, strongviolentpod.com and see it as it is now before we take it offline to jazz it up a little bit. And, of course, check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash strong language violent scenes. Yeah, and if you are in on that, as a few of you are, and we'll be thanking a couple of you in a sec, um, got some stuff coming your way very soon indeed. Yes, indeed, yes. Uh, today. I was going to say, in <laughs> fact, depending on when you're listening, it might be out there already. We're back this Friday talking Ghoulies 2 with Paddy Murphy. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. Hey guys, I want to say a quick hello to a couple of people getting in on the Patreon this week. I've uh, got a couple of new patrons over at patreon.com forward slash strong language violent scenes. 
Yeah, by the way, it's nice that we're able to keep doing this every week. Yeah, it's nice to have had a few weeks in a row of thanking people. Um, and this week, the thanks going to Chris Skelp. Yes, Chris, welcome aboard. We've already talked about your uh, contributions on the Chud Locker. And uh, yes, an absolute pleasure to have you on board with us. And thank you so much. Yeah, great to have you here. And also a big thank you to Faye Ellis. Yeah, Faye, you know we love you. Uh, and if you don't already, check out Faye's podcast, I Spit on Your Grades. Yeah, get that done. And don't forget, if you want to get in on the action yourself, you can do. It's patreon.com slash stronglanguage language scenes. Yep, thanks so much, guys. Uh, see you on Friday. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 